This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air. Hi. Have you you've pressed the button? I pressed the button. I pressed the button. The button, button, button. Welcome to a study in music literacy. Yep, that was it. <laughs> That's the music you're getting. With us. It's up. You have to deal with us again. Us. I think they like us by now if they're still tuning in. Yeah, well, I would hope so. So, who are you? Introduce yourself. Uh, today I thought I'd be Jill. Okay, cool. Um, Jill's going to go by she, her. Week. Okay. Yeah. I am... I am still Luke. Yeah. I think I'm going to stick with that for now. I go yeah, by I mean, him. it's working well for you it's so far. W- it's, wor- it's worked for the past 28 years. Yeah, yeah. So far. Uh, who knows what the future will bring. Well, technically, I've only been Jill for the past 12. Yeah. Yeah. And in amongst all of that has been all my random nicknames and everything. Right. So. That's a and I'm not of... going to say my full name on radio because I don't like it to start with, so. You can work it out, though. I'm not the a full fan. version of Jill. I'm not a fan of my middle name because uh, my friends found out what my middle name was uh, during the twilight period oh, of the 2000s. Uh, and my middle name is Edward. I was going to guess that one as soon as you said twilight. So I, uh, I wasn't so much endlessly ridiculed as I was cripplingly terrified of it. Yeah. The entire time. And every now and then they'd make little comments and things like that. Yeah, but... See, I didn't like my middle name, so I got rid of it. And I now have two middle names that I picked, and I much prefer them. Okay. Yeah. I still, I'm quite proud of Coldwell Brumnobins, I think. Perhaps, you, could, you could change your name legally to perhaps that. Perhaps I should have dressed up for that as that for Halloween. Ooh, yes. Just get some, some bed knobs and stick them to my head and carry yep. around a bunch of brooms. That could work. Yeah. I had a broom you could have borrowed. You, Still got a broom you could borrow. I was about to say, had? It. What happened to it? Uh, it's in my cupboard that goes nowhere, so it could be like my Narnia cupboard. Your cupboard that goes nowhere, as opposed to your cupboard that goes somewhere. Well, most cupboards you can get into, so they go somewhere because you can get into them. Right. This one you can't get into because it's not really a cupboard. It's just a door that goes to a wall, so there's no space for people. But you can put a broom in it. So it's... Hold on. Yeah. So it's... You open the door. And there's like a wall. And there's a wall in front yeah. of you. What is the point of that? Well, it was my linen cupboard, and mum had wallpapered my hallway, and I decided I wanted to get rid of my linen cupboard, but we didn't have any wallpaper to cover where the door was, so I told dad to leave the door there and just put the wall on the other side right by the door. Okay. And so it looks like there's Why a cupboard at the end door? of the wall. Because there's no wallpaper to cover the spot where the door was. How, how long ago was this done? Maybe like a the, year. The look on your face says at least a decade. No, <laughs> like a year or so. Okay. Yeah. I like it because it's like literally. It's you, the mystery cupboard. It's got a few bits of wood in it. It's got an old saw from either my grandma or my, my granddad or my popper. Like okay, so it has big got old, a little bit of room in it. Literally just the studs and whatever the crossways ones are. Are they the studs or the studs I down? Don't I don't I'm, know. I'm not a builder-tician. Anyway, so it's got a few little really thin areas that you can put stuff, like hmm. a broom and a saw okay. and some wood. I have what well, my my wardrobe is a safe. It is a safe. It's great. It's giant. It's kind of cool. It's the safest place in the building. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever there's an earthquake, I sort of roll out of bed and just go stand in there because it's just a big box of concrete I and mean, steel. I mean, you'd be pretty safe in the safe. Oh, yeah. 
And in a fire, you should be okay. You might just get hot. If yeah, well, to be honest, that would be quite dangerous. I think it would probably be. It's like a whole bunch of steel, isn't it? That would be bad. But I think myself during a really disastrous earthquake, and they would come along and they'd find me. There's just this box (laughs) in the air. Stacked on because there's another one below it. Ah, so there would just you be, would be these two out. stacked up boxes, and I'll be standing there like, Where'd the house go? <laughs> it's just. <laughs> Oops. So yeah. we are sponsored by Wardini Books. They sponsor us for a study in literacy. I'm not sure if they sponsor us to talk about our wardrobes. For the total nonsense. Yeah. That, yeah. They, they are awesomely kind to sponsor us to talk about rubbish. Uh, well, we have some rubbish. We do. Did Wardini have any events? They don't. No. Not listed on their Facebook page because unfortunately the event has mm. caused the Battle of the Book Clubs was cancelled. But yep. we urge you to support the Acorn Project yep. if you can. They and the book clubs and stuff can only happen in level one, which isn't right. looking likely. The Acorn Project supports 12 to 24 year olds um, and their families who live mm. with cancer. Good cause. Good cause. Uh, and this. Battle of the Book Clubs would have been a fundraising opportunity for them. So feel free to support via yep. their website. That's right. They have a, I believe they have a physical location in Hastings. Seems likely. Uh, seems likely. And um, I've just noticed that there's a typo in here. Uh, please consider donating to the Akron Project. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard of that one. The please let me know more. Is the parallel dom- dimension? Oh, Acorn Project, where they support cancer living with twelve to twenty-four year olds. <laughs> <laughs> Those pesky humans. Oh man, humans can be quite pesky. Yeah. Yeah. So, in terms of words, words. we have stuff from Susie Dent over the mm. past week or so. Uh, there is apricity. Which is Does it start with an O or an A? A. A-P-R-I-C-I-T-Y. Mm-hmm. It is from the 7th century. It is uh, environmental. It's related to the oh. environment. It is the warmth of the sun in winter. I do like the warmth of the sun in winter. So you enjoy apricity. I do enjoy mm. apricity. There is also respair. Respair. So you can probably work that out for yourself. I'm because thinking respite. My brain's just doing the word association yeah, thing. That's pretty close. You've got despair, mm. which is when you're very, very sad. So what yep. would respair mean? Really, you're, really happy. You're right with res, with res, respite. It's fresh hope, a recovery from despair. I like it. Yeah. Uh, it's from the 16th century. Get on your 16th century people. Uh, the, this is quite a cool one. Nidificate. Nidificate. Yep. N i d i. F-I-C-A-T-E. Yeah. And that is to build a warm, cozy nest and settle there for the foreseeable. Oh, I want to do that. So based I want to nificate, or however it's nidif- said. Uh, nidificate. I would like to nidificate. Based on one of our previous episodes where we talked about snudge, you yep. would enjoy <laughs> snudging uh, after, after nidificating. Yeah, I think I would. <laughs> yep. It doesn't sound as pleasant as it would be in reality. But it would mean that you cuddle up into a yep. cozy little nest and you yep. just stay there yep. for as long as your bloody well like. Yeah, I mean, that sounds good when you say it like that, but snudging after nidification. After, after partaking in some nidification. It does not sound as enjoyable as actually cuddling up in a nest. <laughs> I well, love words. this is, uh, you know, we have talked before about doing uh, a study after dark. <laughs> yes. Yes, we have. 
so what what sort of stuff have you been up to? Have you read anything, completed anything recently? I've read a bunch of books and they're so memorable. I can't remember them. They're just they're, they're all fighting yeah. for space in your brain for you to talk about them. So definitely. Um, I can't remember the last one that I finished. Wouldn't I mean it was an all right read, mm-hmm. but it was one of those ones that by the time you get to halfway, you're reading it to finish it. You're not reading it to enjoy it. Ah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, and then the one I'm currently reading is the one for the sci-fi and fantasy Woodeny Book Club, mm-hmm. which probably will not be happening in a few weeks' time. But just in case it does, I'm reading the book anyway. Um, and the first chapter, I hated it. Like, to the point that I was like, oh, my God, if this is this guy's story, I'm not reading this. Kat, <laughs> you've, like, she's got it so wrong. Right. And the first chapter ends with all these horrible people being burnt alive. I was like, oh, this is my sort of book. <laughs> so what is this book called? Bear with me a sec. As she checks her notes. As I check my notes. No, I, I check my phone. Well, in terms of sci-fi stuff, while you're looking that up, uh, the Foundation series by, I think it was originally by Isaac Asimov, mm. is coming to, I think, Apple. Mm-hmm. I think Apple is doing a series based on the Foundation series, which Ooh. is some sci-fi stuff. That'll be nice. Yeah. So I'm Except pro- for the fact it's on Apple. I can't say that I'm excited for it because I don't know what to expect. Uh, but I'll probably check that out and I'll see if I can report back on, yeah. on how it goes. That'd be cool. Uh, so the book club book is Master of Dijin by P. Dijeli Clark. And it's set in the magical 1912 Cairo. Oh. And I must admit that's part of the thing that's making it super cool is it's not set in America or England. Yeah. So when you say Dijin, is it spelled D-J-I-N-N? Yes. That's Jin. I call it Dijin, and I'm going to keep calling it Dijin, because that's what I want to call it. Yep. And I'm pretty sure I am, in my head, pronouncing a lot of characters' names wrong, <laughs> but I don't care, because the writer, in a way, when you give someone a name in a fantasy or sci-fi yep. book, you're leaving the interpretation of how it's pronounced up to the reader. Wasn't there that thing about Hermione, that there was something about the pronunciation of a name oh, that when they finally yeah. said it in... The series that everyone went, hold on, that's not how you say the name. And everyone yeah. had had this other, other way, notion yeah. of how you pronounce it. I'm terrible because a lot of people, in my mind, they put like Y's and L's or T's and L's around the wrong way, mm-hmm. and my brain switches it. <laughs> so, and it just will keep doing that. And it's like, it takes too much effort to every time you see the name to stop and try and make your brain say it right. So it's just like, it's not harming anyone. If my brain says it the way it wants to say it. Yeah. So it does. But no, this book is really, really good now that the better people are Can you give us it. a brief synopsis? I read not that much of it. I think I've only read four or five chapters now. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, these guys are in a secret cult and they all get burnt. And we know who did it because mm-hmm. the first part of the story is told by them. But then... The main character of the story is kind of like an investigator for the supernatural, and the oh. police call that group and like it's an official task force. People can join it and stuff. That's cool. It's like the CIA kind of thing. Um, calls them in because the deaths are rather weird because no clothing got burnt, just the people. Ooh. Uh, so they figure there must be magical properties, and the magical people are called the Dijin, depending on what their powers are. That's cool. Yeah, we're meeting a few of them, and some of them are really weird, and some of them are like, oh, man, you're so cool. So. I love stories where they take 
fantasy, but they put it in a modern setting. I love this one because it's still got re- like religion as we know it in it, but it's yeah. also got the people that follow these old gods, which are like the magical people mm-hmm. and stuff. And in one part of the book, it's quite early on, it's not as far as I'm, I know, this is not um, like a spoiler or anything. These two guys have found this bottle and they reckon it contains like the equivalent of a genie. Right. And that he was banished into the bottle and he'll grant them three wishes when they let him out. Mm-hmm. And the main character, girl's trying to talk them out of doing this because she's like, you don't know what's in there, don't do that. Hmm. So they let the, the genie out and um, turns out he went in there because he thinks humans are horrible, idiotic people and he is very pissed off at being let out and just wants to kill them. And they're like, "But no, that's not how it goes. And the, the magical fellow dude is just like, I'm magic, I can do what I want. Like, yeah, I don't follow right. your rules. That's not how it works. Yeah, who says? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> you? Yeah, and then the... You're mortal. Why should I care? Yeah, and then the girl's got to try and negotiate to save their lives, even though she kind of just wants to slap them for being idiotic that's morons. so funny. So funny. I love that the genie's motivation is humans are dumb as hell. I'm just yeah. going to go into hiding. Yeah, he's he wants to come out when all the humans are gone. Ah. So he's been in there for a few thousand years and he just wants to go back. But because they told him, like, instead of being nice when they let him out, they're like, we let you out, you owe us three wishes. Right. So he's just like, no, I think I might kill you instead. He and decides, then I'll go back to what? sleep. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's really cool. And the fact that it's set in 1912, that's got a lot of cool stuff that you can it do. It is. A lot and, of cool set pieces. Yeah, and every so often they reference the um, that Germany seems to be yeah. unsettled and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, we all know what happens there, yeah. but they don't, they don't know whether it's going to affect them or right. anything because they're in Cairo. I wonder if there will be a time jump where some World War One stuff happens because I remember mm. there's these conspiracy theories about how <clears throat> um, Germany was supposedly engaging in, or, you know, they believed in the yeah. occult and they were actually trying to cast spells during the war to try and get be an upper hand. I wonder if that would be pretty cool. I wonder too, there's definitely a second book. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if maybe there's a bit of a time jump between the books yeah. potentially. That's super cool. What was it called again? Master of the Djinn. Master of Djinn, okay. Yeah. I would say, have you ever watched any kind of um, DC stuff? Like comic, yeah, you know, Batman yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Do you know the character Constantine? Yes, I do like, I have that movie, the Keanu Reeves one. Yeah, I, I would recommend looking up some of the comics or animated shows or films with Constantine in it. Yeah. Because he's basically like what you were describing. Yeah. He's, you know, a dude who who is in the modern world and has a whole bunch of magical powers. And yeah. he does deals with spirits and demons yeah. and stuff. Super cool character. Yeah. So the guys that burn up in the start of this book mm-hmm. basically burn because they are in the house of something or other. It's a Dijin. And the guy who hasn't been seen for ages like centuries everyone thinks he's just kind of like died or whatever right. he decides to come back because he doesn't really appreciate them doing that and so he comes back <laughs> burns him and disappears again that's <laughs> like i kind of like that they're not happy and they're not well not not happy but they they're not just like catering to all the whims of humans yeah, that's right because why would they they why would they they're way more powerful yeah. than us why in all most of our stories do we go oh yeah they'll do what we say that's right see that's that's moving over to the side of um, Lovecraftian style, yeah. where these are entities who see us like we look at ants. Yeah, and basically the only reason they let us live 
is for some humor or something it's on their amusing, part. Or, or we are literally beneath their notice. And when they, yeah. when we do they get their attention, they go, what the, what, how did you get, what are you? Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. They, they don't, it's not like we are the ones that are all powerful. It's yeah, them. That's right. Yeah. 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 So that's what I'm currently reading. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm I'm still making my way through the Black Company. I made a whole bunch yeah. of progress on it um a couple of weeks ago. Man, it's good. Nice. One of the, the I guess I could say the main character because I've talked about how it's from the perspective of the person who writes this chronicle of yes. the Black Company yes. and he's the analyst. Yeah, he's kinda um, like the main character in a way, isn't he? Pretty much the main character because it's all from his yeah. perspective. But there are a lot of I don't want to say protagonists because they're not all good people. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a dude who goes by that because they all have names like uh, this guy. His name is Croker. He's the medic. He's, mm-hmm. the, he's the first aid guy. And he's called Croker because when people die, they croak. croak. Yep. It's not explained in the book, but that's what I take away from it. Yep. And you've got people like a, a one eye. Guess why? Guessing he's got three. <laughs> uh, he's got no. He's got one eye. He's got. Oh, a, he's blind in one. What a surprise! There's another guy called Goblin. And mm-hmm. he's like a short, um, short ratty little guy who is t- very mischievous. But he's also a mage illusionist. So oh, wow. he, him and One Eye have these illusory fights. Sometimes mm-hmm. they've got that sort of one of them will piss off the other. Usually, Goblin is um, bothering One Eye, and they get into a fight, and they use their illusion magic to fight each other rather than coming to blows. Yep. So it has d- descriptions like um, a stream of butterflies flows out of one eye's mouth in a colossal wave that overtakes Goblin, and then Goblin summons something else to fight against <laughs> that. It's really cool. It's cool. Um, at one point, they they're doing an ambush. They're trying to ambush these people, and Goblin and One Eye get in a fight, and they start laughing, and it gives away their position. <laughs> so everyone's like, "You idiots! What are you doing?" I would totally do that. Accidentally so, laugh. So at the, the way time. that magic is done is very cool, though, because it's not when magic is involved in this, it's used so sparingly, and the way that it's described, it's frightening. It's not like, "Oh wow, they're doing magic." Mm. You're, th- you're, you're. I'm sitting there reading it and going, "They're doing magic." Things must be bad. Yeah. Because yeah. magic is dangerous. It is um, powerful. I mean, it is, really. But, but media always portrays it as this fun, exciting, awesome thing. Yeah. And media also tends to not portray the drain that it takes on people to do it. I mean, I can't imagine doing a lot of magic mm. having no effect physically. Mm. I mean, you go for a run, you come back tired. Yeah. Right. Do a bunch of output like magic. You're going to be tired. I love, I think I've talked about this before, the dying of Jack Vance, where his mm. magic was, um, you would memorize a, a fireball yes. spell. Yes. And when you use it, it leaves your head. You and now you've got to spend it. time to relearn it. You'd use it so sparingly in that I love, case. Yeah, I love magic systems that do have a toll on the user. I do. Uh, speaking of magic, actually, uh, and media, I recently watched a series called Dota Dragon's Blood. And it is an anime, technically, but it's in that sort of art style that I'm watching and I'm going, this is a very mature anime. It's not afraid to say, oh, hey, there's this dude who's going to kill a dragon. You're going to get to see the killing of the dragon yeah. on screen. It's not off screen, uh-huh. but there's blood and there's, cut, there's yep. guts and there's all sorts of stuff going on. It's based on the video game called Dota 2. Yep. Very cool game. I have great affection for it. Mm-hmm. Very, very fun to watch it. It's eight episodes. Would you have to have played the game to understand the show? Nope. 
Cool. Nope, you can watch it totally separately uh, because you could watch the show and then go, oh, I wonder what the story is behind mm. this character. And you go and look up the video game lore for them and you mm. go, oh, that's pretty I remember I went and watched the World of Warcraft, I think it was, movie. Warcraft, yeah. Yeah, and I loved it. And my friend, who is an avid player of World of Warcraft, did not like it anywhere near as much as I did. Mm. But I went into it completely fresh eyes to me. It was just a fun action movie. Yeah, it was a cool action fantasy movie. Yep. I really enjoyed it. I have an affection for the older games, not World of Warcraft itself. That's the, you know, the one that everyone yep. knows. But there were games that came before it, Warcraft 1, 2, and 3. Yeah, and they were single player. They weren't those games where it's one huge world and these thousands of players mm. inside it. Uh, you could have multiplayer games mm-hmm. and things, but it has the story. And I know some of the lore. I'm not super mm. super into it, but I'm a fan of it. So when I was watching Warcraft, I was like, "This is pretty cool," and yeah. I didn't think much of it. But people who are avid fans yeah. of, the, of it, video game adaptation films never satisfy them because how could you? do one-to-one of you the video game to film. Yeah, and you can't do it because a video game, you play for hours. That's right. Hundreds of hours. Yeah. Although, in saying that, there's one video game that I would quite like to see as a film, and yeah. that's Conker's Bad Fur Day. <laughs> that would... Uh, I mean, it would have to be R18. Oh, yeah. But it would that just would be, be an interesting movie. That would be the Deadpool version of a video game adaptation. Yeah. It would be an R-rated video game. But adaptation. I would... I would love to see it if they that even would made be incredible, it. Yeah, I would love to see a linear story of Crash Bandicoot. Oh, that would be! Cool. I think they could have so much fun with you that. Could. They could go balls to the wall, ridiculous animation. They no live action, please. For the love of God, don't I, do that live action. I think Jack and Dexter would be quite cool too. Jack and Dexter would be very cool. I think Jack and Dexter would appeal to a lot of modern day children. I think because so. Jack and Dexter is kind. It, it's a kids game, really. It is except uh, for got, when you can't finish level one because of one stupid and you move. You throw the controller at the wall and you, mm. yep, <laughs> rip it out, storm off. There's just one move I couldn't do. Right. So to finish level one. So I started playing my brother's game because he was up higher than me. Gotcha. <laughs> no, there's a lot because video games, particularly Naughty Dog, they do, um, they've done The Last of Us. Mm. That's the one, um, it's very, very story driven. And video games are starting to move towards these incredible. People are finally starting to realise that video games can tell incredibly robust, they powerful can. single player stories. Uh, so hope you know maybe one day we will see some kind of uh, video game adaptation. I think they should do it animated. I think mm. they need to stop. They all it. need to be animated. They need to stop trying to do video game adaptations that are live action. They need to do. They need to do animated, and they need to do it in the style that the video gamers. I think. Or, or you know, sharpen it up, clean it up a little, oh, yeah, and stay do, fairly close. Do that, but like, don't don't change it up to real people because, or yeah, real because, places or anything like because that. Because video games can do the things that video games do because they are video games. You can mm. do cartoonishly ridiculous things, absurd yeah. things that you go, "Well, that's not realistic." Well, of course, it's not realistic. It's a video. It's game. a video game. Even games that are. You know, the graphics on them look like it's in the real world. I think they should still... They can know, still do ridiculous things. If, if anything's proven that you can do a mature animated series or film, it's DC. Mm, well, yes. actually, both, both DC and Marvel animated films and TV series have very mature themes. And so I feel like video yeah. games could get the same kind of treatment if only the uh, video game industry could pull its head out of its ass. Yeah, I mean, that's a big ask right there. It is a big ask. But we can hope. We can hope. (laughs) We can hope. 
So I've got some stuff uh, for us to talk about. We, we weren't able to cover this in the Halloween episode, which has been lost to the mists of time. In some ways, it's very fitting for Halloween, though, isn't it? Absolutely. A ghost very got ephemeral, it. very ghostly. Yeah. A ghost away. stole our recording, everyone. A ghost stole our recording. I don't think it's my ghost, but you never know. But I thought this would be quite interesting to talk about. It's about superstitions. Because superstitions are something that... They've all come from somewhere, haven't they? They they all come from somewhere. And of course, I wanted to talk about it for Halloween because it's Halloween. But a lot of it is related to literacy, literary Mm. works. Yep. And you can see them, superstitions are in real life, in TV, in films, in books. I get... I get some superstitions, like some make sense. Like, is bad luck to walk under a ladder? Well, duh, someone could be on it and they could drop something on you. Like, Absolutely right. Common sense, don't walk under one. But, like, don't cross the path of a black cat. Why not? Well, it's interesting you should mention those two because the origins of some superstitions, the way that they've been, what they have become now, are very different to what they originally were. I would believe it. So all of this comes from Amy Parkinson from Lit Hub, of course. Uh, it's not Emily Temple or Walker Kaplan this time. It's someone else. I read an article by Walker Kaplan today. Yeah. Yep. That'd it be was good stuff, right? Yeah, it was on how a parent wants to sue a library. I saw that. For letting his child read a... A genderqueer book. A genderqueer book. book. Yep. And I thought, well, that doesn't sound right. However, when you read into it, mm-hmm. the book was... I guess higher than the child should be reading. It had images and stuff that wasn't appropriate. The fact that this parent is pursuing legal action. Yeah, that I don't agree with. However, pointing out politely to the library that maybe the book should be in like a higher age group reading level, that would be okay. Or contact the parent and say, your child wants to read this. Yeah. Uh, Are you okay with it? Get their permission. You should read it with them so that you can... Yeah, there are ways around it. Yeah, and so to be fair, the librarians did admit they hadn't read the book and had just assumed they could put it where they'd put it. And after getting the complaint, they read it and thought, oh, that is more mature than we were expecting. Well, that's good. And I thought, well, they acknowledged that. and they hopefully the charges are dropped and that this is just sort of like a knee-jerk reaction from the parent. Um, I did read, and the... Two or three lawyers that the parents consulted with have all basically told them, you don't have a case, just drop it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly seems like a knee-jerk, I'm I'm angry about this, and we're in America, so I'm going to sue you. (laughs) It was unclear from the writing Mm -hmm. in the article. I don't think the parent was angry about the gender, queer gender thing. I think he was angry about the content and the sexual content in it. And I thought... I felt almost like the queer angle could have been removed from the article. Right, okay. But again, I, I don't know all the details, just read an article. Yeah, well, so do your own research if you would like to know more about that story. say, actually do your own research. Don't just Google it for 30 yeah. minutes. And don't just go off and quote us because yeah, we right. don't know because everything. We are also just as ignorant as you probably are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, superstitions. So, so superstitions from, from Amy Parkinson. Um, they've put together an excellent article that talks about different taboos, superstitions, how they are related, how they came about, and other details about that kind of what I personally consider nonsense. I look at superstitions and things and go, those that's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but superstitions are all over the place. I, I feel pro- like I probably have some that I don't realise. There realize. are probably some that I don't realise that I do, and people point it out to me and go, oh, oh, okay, I didn't realise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
from cats to ladders to thinking that people, read women, we'll get into that later, expressing emotion was a sign of mental disturbance. I know that one. I'm sure people by now are aware of how women were treated in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for those who have not read it, I put this in. Um, as a side note, I highly recommend The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Very, very good short story about a woman who, uh, it's, it is a feminist novel. I don't know if that's accurate to describe it that way, but it's, um, about a woman who is, um, enclosed, isolated in this room with yellow wallpaper because the husband said, oh, you're hysterical. We need to give you home care. You need medicine. Yellow wallpaper would make me go. But yeah. A little mental. And and it was entirely, you know, this absurd notion that she had expressed mm. some emotion about yeah. something. And they went, oh, like, you must be ill. Like passionate emotion. Passionate emotion, yeah. And so she'd been confined to the space. And it's all about her actually losing her mind a little bit because mm. she's been confined to I'm, this place. I'm imagining bright yellow wallpaper here. Mm, yeah. Well, the way that, because the way that the, the wallpaper is described in the story does make it sound horrific. And yeah. I could see it in my mind, and I was going, I, I'd probably be losing yeah. it. Because it describes the pattern on the wallpaper that it begins to look like faces looking out oh, at her. Oh, yeah. It's, so it's a, it's a bit of a horror, but yeah. it's a very poignant yeah. uh, short story about, again, this absurd notion. So this article comes inspired by a story written by Amy Parkinson called Sister Seance, mm-hmm. which has only just been released. Yeah. Uh, where the story is described thusly. Sister Seance is set in Concord, Massachusetts, just after the Civil War. Spiritualism is sweeping the nation when a Halloween celebration calls for a traditional dumb supper. I don't know what this was, but it was nice to find out Mm -hmm. about it. A dumb supper is a dinner party where no guest may speak, but must convey needs and desires through nonverbal communication. I would have guessed if you'd said... Take a guess as to what a dumb supper right. is. I would have guessed that because I know dumb means mute. Mm, so that's yeah. the leap I would have made. And after the dumb supper, mysterious intruders shock the guests into confronting their pasts, uniting abolitionists, freed people, former slaveholders, a matchmaker, the single women who are her boarders, wounded Civil War veterans, and a female photographer pregnant with the child of her former slave. That is interesting. So there's a real interesting collection of characters. And, I mean, not just the collection of characters, just the concept that they all attended a dumb supper. And they all had this bizarre experience. Yeah, and it's like, imagine meeting people you may not have met before. That's right. And you can't talk to them. That's right. That's a whole level of intrigue in its own. Yeah. And then you add the supernatural in. Yeah. Uh, or, or is it supernatural? Who knows? It is true. Maybe it's not. Maybe maybe it's it not. That's where my brain goes because that's what I read, but maybe yeah, it's, it's not. So, yeah, Sister Seance by uh, Amy Parkinson. So this article is a kind of culmination of the research that Amy conducted during the course of her writing Sister Seance. Yep. And she goes into some pretty great detail when it comes to taboo superstitions, their histories and implications on wider society. I'm sure anyone listening could... Think of someone that they know and you can spot a superstition that that person has or some kind of thing that they do that they think is related to something else, but it isn't really or it has no basis in it. So a few of the common threads that tie old superstitions together are related to communal judgment rooted in assumptions about gender, politeness, morality, and the body. Mm -hmm. Uh, Historically, taboo was related to superstition and religion, 
terror associated with taboo behaviour kept people in line, particularly women, children, and the poor. Yes, because back in the day it was the men trying to keep everyone in line. That's right. Uh, we have some very old taboos such as walking under ladders, like you mentioned, allowing a black cat to cross one's path, and spilling salt. I never understood the spilling salt one. Well, you're about to. This is super interesting, and I had no okay. idea about it. While we see these as small rituals or things to avoid, these kinds of behaviours are related to fears about safety, resources, and gender, which were connected to the personal identity of the individual in society. For example, what are some of the origins that people likely don't know about these superstitions spilling the salt? Well, once upon a time, salt was just very expensive, right? You know, you can get it anywhere now. It'd be like spilling milk now. Milk's not cheap. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, So one should seek protection or forgiveness for spilling it, especially if you were poor. Yes, oh God. Imagine being poor and spilling one of the expensive grocery items. That's right. So so at the beginning, spilling the salt was, oh my God, I've just spilled, mm. you know, many dollars worth of worth Tiny of little grains. And so you seek forgiveness, but now over the years it evolved into you throw it over your left soldier's shoulder to hit the devil in the eye. Oh, is that why you do it? Yep. Ah, did not know. Yeah, well, that's the superstition. I never remember what <clears throat> shoulder it is either, so it's, I usually just wipe it onto the floor and that's me it, done. It's the left because uh, I think the Latin for left is sinister. Ooh. And left-handed people were seen as evil. They were. Apparently uh, in school, my papa, my dad's dad, was caned every time he used his left hand. Wow. I didn't realise that happened so recently. I figured it had yeah. disappeared like before the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, it's pretty no. recent. Yep. Uh, you've got walking under a ladder, as mm-hmm. we all know. Well, walking under a ladder is just straight up dangerous. dangerous. Like you mentioned. You yeah. know, there could literally just be someone that could drop something on you. Yep. Perfectly reasonable. I always, for some reason, on. think someone's going to drop a can of paint on me, and it's going to be full, and it's going to tip up, oh. and I'm just going to be covered in paint. <sighs> yep. For some reason, that's the only thing my mind thinks I would be drop. afraid of the paint falling. It's sealed, and it's bottom down, and it... No, see, I don't think of getting hurt. I just think of the impracticalities of being covered being head to foot. Being embarrassed and then being judged no. by other people because it's you're more. What if you're wearing your favourite hoodie, which my favourite hoodie I can't get again mm-hmm. because it was limited edition back in like 2009, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, I can't re-get that. Yeah, very practical. Yeah, it's very practical. Um, but walking under, um, sorry, so making them a symbol of the gallows reminded people how deathly ah. walking under a ladder could be. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, true. Because uh, as when you're walking up to the gallows, you go up a ladder. Yeah, you do, yeah. Yep. Uh, black cats, oh boy. Uh, we know, of course, that a black cat is related to witches. Ooh. So a witch's cat. And so it was taboo or even black, bad luck to see a black cat, particularly for women. My friend's black cat used to be completely black and now stars going grey or mm-hmm. white. So he's got little, little patches oh, all over cool. him of his little white fears. Wow. So cute. I don't know what he's going to do as he gets older. He's only about five. Mm, get more pattern. <laughs> you will get more pattern. But he's no longer a black cat. So if he walks in my path, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so this, um, again, you know, that was, of course, sarcasm. You know, black cats yeah. related to witches. Oh, no, not women. Woo! So spooky. Men can be witches too. Yeah, well, uh, warlocks, of course, uh, which yeah. I think means I think it's like an oxymoron when people use warlocks in D anD D because I, wa- I think warlock literally means like deal breaker, 
Whereas in Dungeons and Dragons, a warlock is someone who makes a deal with another entity. <laughs> and I think like the original definition for warlock means some, something yeah. similar to deal breaker or oath breaker or something yeah. like that. Uh, so since cats were often depicted as being a familiar for witches, black cats were were a reminder at the time, of course, mm-hmm. that witches were <gasps> everywhere. So whenever you see a black cat, as far as you were concerned back then, was there's a witch somewhere. Or the <clears throat> witch is the cat. Or, more frightening, um, at the time, black cats were a reminder that anyone, especially women, could be accused of being a witch. And the times Ooh. when women were watched with an eye towards any behavior that might mark them as a witch, a black cat served as a reminder that women of the time had to be careful of how they were perceived. Once again, yeah. there's that judgment, that societal judgment coming in. Stupid society. And the the ultimate effect of this black cat taboo and superstition, don't be seen by a witch and don't be seen as a witch, because if you cross the path of a black cat, one, you're worried that there's a witch, but someone else could see you and say, you cross the path of a black cat, you're a witch. Yeah. And again, there's so you that just judgment know black coming cats. in. That's right. You, so you want to avoid black cats at all. You see one, you move away from it, because then yeah. no one can tell you that you're a witch, and you're like, okay, I avoided the witch. Yep. It's so weird how the human mind <laughs> puts this stuff together. So nowadays, taboo doesn't generally have a supernatural connotation. Uh, because it's it's very based in um, the physical world. I was going to say, and I feel like people nowadays think they know better than to believe right. in the supernatural. That's right. Uh, instead, the punishment for breaking a taboo is the invisible hand of society through shunning, excommunication, mm-hmm. rejection, labelling, and people being forced to keep their behaviour and identity in a certain way. Yeah, conform. Um, I've, I've said it like five times already, but once again, it's judgment. It's society yeah. trying to make you do a thing that society, you wouldn't otherwise want to do. Yeah, a lot of society, or the pressures of society, seems to be trying to make you conform with That's stuff. Right. And That's if right. the way that they can get you to do that is to chuck some superstitions in, superstitions seems taboos, to be how they do it. Saying, oh, you shouldn't do this thing. Why? Oh, you just shouldn't do it. Oh, it annoys me the amount of times in my life someone's gone, oh, you shouldn't do that. Why? You just shouldn't. Like, they've got no good reason. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to keep doing it till you can give me a good reason. Yeah. Why not? Uh, so <clears throat> Amy says, um, quote, when writing contemporary fiction, the question of taboo becomes even more complex, although most contemporary readers don't believe that taboo behaviors might be punished by a supernatural force. They are still fearful of taboo behavior, which is often code for gendered behavior, such as a woman exposing her body in public. Yes. Because the amount of times I see guys, and you know this, I say guys with a capital G because you know the type. Yeah, there's a certain type. They're on scooters or bikes or on foot, just running through town, shirt off, shorts. And and they all all. think they look amazing. And they think that they're the coolest kids in town. There is a TV series I'm watching at the moment on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to start this with the disclaimer that I haven't researched it. I am going entirely with what is said <laughs> on this TV show. Okay. Um, apparently, according to this TV show anyway, there is a park in New York where women can go topless. Mm-hmm. Because back in many years, or seems like quite a few years ago, it was probably like the 60s, um, some woman was caught and fined for having her top off. And she's like, what is the difference between a man That's and a right. woman? And New York basically said, well, in that part, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I really want to go there. I don't know if I'd take my top off in mm-hmm. public, but I would like to go somewhere where I have the option of doing right. it without being getting yeah. in trouble. And and again, there's, there's that society. Women aren't 
um, I say women aren't allowed, but this is coming from the perspective of how society mm. views it. They're not allowed to show themselves in public because we as a society have deemed that to be something that shouldn't be done. Yeah, and it's to say, why can't we change it back? Yeah, I right. mean, I don't think every woman would show their, to- their self topless. That's right. Just like every man does but, not. But why not let people who want to do it do yeah. it? Yeah. Why not? Um, I think part of it is because we have some very horrid people in this world who, um, while not generalising, there are people who simply can't help themselves and they decide that they think that they can do what they want Yep. Yep. uh, to the detriment of others. Yes, and that is what makes the world a not completely safe place (laughs) for a lot of females and some men as well. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, if you're, I remember I was, um, when I was working at a supermarket, I did the night shift mm. <clears throat> and on my way home, it was about 5am and, uh, these guys approached me mm. and I didn't have any cigarettes and they took great offense to that. That's unfair. Uh, and they, uh, they did not physically assault me, but they were rather upset and they really wanted me to know yeah. what they were going to do to me. If yep. I didn't give them some cigarettes, and Which like, well, you don't I don't have, I don't have any. I don't know why you keep yeah. Like, the logic they're not going to magically appear. And and I thought to myself, what would happen if I was not a man? You wouldn't be walking alone at five in the well, morning to start true. with. <laughs> that's true. I would I would have taken a taxi like I started doing after that happened. Yes, because I thought, okay, well, these guys might live around here and they might do this on a regular basis. So I'm yeah. just gonna spend you know a few yep. bucks. Yeah. After every shift and get home. I, I would. I would. I don't think I've ever done a night shift where I haven't driven and parked super close mm. or moved my car. I mean, even working here at Radio Kidnappers in winter when I'd finish at like six. Right. And I'd park the next block down. Well, it was still daylight in the middle of winter. I would go move my car closer because I just didn't want to walk that far on my own. <laughs> Had some bad experiences walking home from Radio Kidnappers in broad daylight. So yeah. not risking it at night. Yeah. It's it just if you can be safer, do so. Yeah. I I've, I've had conversations with people where they say, "Well, it shouldn't be like that," and I say, "Yeah, I agree with you. It shouldn't be." Unfortunately, the reality is, it, it is. is. That yeah. is how it is. I, I I would also like it for not to be that way. Yeah, I often sit and think, I would like to do this, and then my little voice in my brain goes. If something went wrong, could you look your dad in the eye and go, you know, I took all the precautions I couldn't. It's like, oh, damn it, no. <laughs> it's like as much as I would like to do that, I can't uh-huh. safely do it. Right. But that's just the world we live in. Hopefully it gets better. Mm-hmm. But until it does, we do what we do. Um, we've got one, – so one of the things that I had a little while ago that I think is quite evergreen is these adaptations Ooh. Uh, that are all – Piling out this year. I don't know if this is just oh, because yeah. I've started Have you seen June yet? I have not. It's not is even it out. out yet? It's not even out. I think it's coming out on something like the 2nd of December. My year. friend in Scotland seen it. Yeah. And I asked him what he thinks without spoiling it for mm-hmm. me because you want to see it. Yep. And he said it's really good and I should go watch it. Yep. And he knows I don't really go to the movies. So well, that's when, pretty good praise. When it comes out, I do want to go to the cinema to watch it. You are most yes. welcome to join us. I probably will. Cool. Yeah. I'm not going to read the book. I'm going to read the book after I've seen the movie. Good idea. Because so often, if you read the book first, it's disappointing. And I've heard people say with June, you need to read yes. the book second. Hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of Dune, that's the one that we uh, yes. we were sort of up to in the list. Uh, HBO Max and mm-hmm. theaters. So it is available right now if you want to watch it. It's available on HBO Max. 
Something um, about a theatre, like a movie theatre, though, as opposed to a the, TV at home. Right. There's Matt Colville's talked about this before, where going to the movies, you don't go to the movies because you want to see it on a big screen. You go to the movies because the experience of going yes. to the movies brings that experience up to a new level. In the social... I know it's not a social activity because you're sitting in the dark watching a movie, but it is a social. social. You You know that there's other people around you. Yeah, and you all cheer or groan or whatever at the same time, hopefully. It's a communal experience. Humans are social creatures. There's that uh, statistic where it's something like you're 30 times more likely to laugh at something comedic when you're in company with other people rather than on your own. My, there's a great example of, there's a movie, I can't remember what it was now, mum and her good friend went to go see it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time that mum cracked up laughing, because she, it was a romantic comedy, she thought what the guy was saying was so cheesy, it was funny. Her friends start sniffing because she's crying because it was Aww. so, like, so happy Very and sappy. Yeah, and mum's just like, they looked at each <laughs> other and they're like, What? <laughs> Oh, there's two very different reactions. Very different. It's incredible. I like that movies can do that, though. Yeah, absolutely. Perhaps more so than a book. I, I'm still of the opinion that Free Guy, they could have removed that whole romantic subplot. I haven't seen it yet, the but... the film wouldn't have Why, why do they have to put romance in every single movie? I know they say it's to get the girls along. I'm a girl... I sometimes just want to see an action movie with guns and fighting it's, and cars and all yeah. of that. I don't want a romantic anything. I, I don't know the demographic, but as far as I can tell, the the vast majority of viewers, just in general, they like romance. They like but the why? they like you know the riding off into the sunset together. The you can do that without romance. So like you can have a good friendship yep. that ticks almost all the same boxes and doesn't ruin a movie in my Lord opinion. Of the yeah, just have some good friends. So, I I don't know the you know obvi- obviously we are two of the I think many outliers. Yeah, I think we're definitely a minority on this one. I mean, the only reason that we complain about it is because we are not the target audience. <laughs> we are not the people <laughs> that is who, they, true. who they're that trying is to true. appeal to. <laughs> Uh, so for Dune, the film, I've talked about it before, both the book and the film, but here it comes finally. Dune, based of course on what is widely regarded as the greatest science fiction story of all time, Frank Herbert's Dune from 1965. There was a 1984 film adaptation, which I have pitched to Kyla saying, hey, before we go and watch it in the mm, theatres, do you want to the watch the original one. adaptation? It's a good idea. Which, it certainly wasn't one-to-one. It was done by David Lynch, mm-hmm. who is who he had some very strange imagery in a lot mm-hmm. of his films. Uh, also some very strange things in this 1984 mm. adaptation, but artistic license. Yep. Uh, so this is directed by Denis Villeneuve, who directed uh, Sicario and the Blade Runner 2047 remake a few years ago with Ryan Gosling. I totally missed that Blade Runner Ryan remake. Gosling and... I, I almost said Richard Hammond, and I don't know why. <laughs> Harrison Ford. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, this is it will be starring uh, Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, Stephen McKinley Henderson, Zendaya Marie Stormer Coleman. Also, no, everyone just calls it Zendaya. Yep. Uh, David Dust Malkian, Chang Chen, Sharon Duncan Brewster, Charlotte Rampling, Jason Momoa, it's got and, some good names. and Javier Bardem. Bardem. 
so with such a stacked cast, what could go wrong? Well, many things. I was going to say, I believe probably a lot, depending on who you are. But I am trying to channel optimism for this. Yes. Uh, we have far too few great sci-fi things that I've seen later, lately, although I've we talked at the top of the show, the upcoming Foundation mm-hmm. series, based on the legendary Isaac Asimov stories, has me excited. And director at Denis Villeneuve's Dune film for this year has me, yeah, I'm pretty hyped for it. Because I like sci-fi yeah, stuff. I like Dune. I like good sci-fi. Well, good to me sci-fi. It's yeah. not always good to other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've because I've read the book and I'm not too worried about spoilers because again I've read the book. Yeah. Uh, so I have watched a few people talk about the film and mm-hmm. I'm aware of some things in it, but I'm not going to talk about them until we've seen the film the, because I don't want to color your opinion of it. The only feedback, I mean, I haven't searched for any, mm-hmm. but the only feedback I've seen is a few people saying that it needs to have a sequel because it was so good. Well, the thing, the interesting thing about that is it is. Denis Villeneuve is contracted yeah. for to film, but it's not necessarily a sequel. But not necessarily a second. However, in the past couple of weeks, there was a um, a headline that said that a that Dune Part Two has been greenlit. Ooh! So right now, as of right now, as of recording, there is going to be a Dune Part Two, directed by Denis nice. Villeneuve. I was going to say, is it by the same person? Yes. Uh, he is apparently a very avid fan of Denis Villeneuve, of, uh, of himself, <laughs> yeah. of Dune. Well, I'd hope he's a fan of himself. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But he, I watched a, a video by Vanity where he broke down very iconic scene in the story. And he was talking about how whenever they were filming and they were unsure about something, they would go back to the book mm. and they would look inside the book and see it what that said. Sounds good. Like- so, yeah. It's a good start. The the imagery is very cool. I quite like it. Yeah. Um, even though, you know, it's hard to make a vibrant world on a desert planet. <laughs> There'll be a way. There is there a are, way. There are shades of orange and brown. That's right. But I don't know precisely how they did with that. Hmm. So that's that's the list of uh, of adaptations that yep. are, that were coming in 2021. Um, part of this article... Um, this huge list that was put together by Emily Temple from LitHub was also throwback media mm. that is being brought to various, uh, brought to or already available on a lot of different things where she basically says like, this is, hey, you should go watch mm. this stuff. This is cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, so she she specifies Goldfinger, which is the mm-hmm. 1959 James Bond film mm-hmm. uh, on Hulu. You can find it there. It's Bane's John. We love Bane's John. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> no. The the spy of all spies who is also frankly great at being captured, tortured, and beaten up by the bad guys only to save the world time and time again. I mean, it's a yeah. standard story, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, look, I grew up on James Bond, and I love the cheesy, absurd, ridiculous nonsense. I admit that that goes on in the films. I it's have totally imagined, absurd. I've avoided all James Bond <laughs> for as far as I'm aware, my entire life. Right. So, yeah, they're great. Switch your brain off and enjoy the super drama films. Uh, And they are apparently all coming to Hulu. And they've now come to Hulu. That's good. In October 2021. All of them. Oh, I love that. So if you want to... It's been like, what, 25? Oh, there's a lot. There's, I think there's like 50. There's a bazillion. There's a huge amount of them. Um, Emily says that this is likely because of the upcoming... Mm. Bond film, which has now come out, No Time to Die, uh, uh, which is you know probably the case. That's probably why they 
flooded them all out. Uh, she mentions Goldfinger from Russia with Love and Doctor No, which is was the first film that they did. Uh, it's some of the best with Goldfinger starring uh, Sean Connery, uh, Honor Blackman as the excellently named Pussy Galore. Yes, that's a real name that they I gave know, the character. I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gert Fruber, I looked up the pronunciation, he plays the titular Goldfinger, and Shirley Eaton being um, Goldfinger is apparently her favourite James mm, Bond film. Okay. Uh, another one, uh, All the President's Men. It's a 1976 yeah. H, uh, film for HBO Max. Yep. Uh, it's based on the Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward 1974 political detective story of the same name. This 1976 film stars Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman as investigators looking into the Watergate scandal. Mm. Uh, that's about all you probably need to know to figure out if you'd be interested. Yep. Uh to be honest, the only film that I've watched to do with the Watergate scandal is a film called Dick. <laughs> that has I think I saw Kirsten that. Dunst and I think Drew Barrymore. Yeah. And it's a comedy, you know, it's a, it's what I guess I'd describe as an American white chick parody. Yeah. You know, it's very American. Yeah, yeah. And it's about these two girls who basically discover that mm. something's going on with Watergate and the government's coming after yeah. them and I kind of I I think of movies like those as just kind of like a little bit of a taster in like to a historic event yeah. for young girls who may want to look into know more. Yeah, that's right. But they want like an easy way to yeah. hear the basics. At the, at the time of my life that I watched it, I was a huge fan of Kirsten Dunst as well. I still am. As well as Drew Barrymore. I first saw Drew Barrymore in Donnie Darko, I think. Oh, that is a good movie. She had a very brief... Role in mm. it, but I remember watching it and I was like, Oh, she looks cool. I'm gonna watch more of her stuff. Mm. So, there's also Less Than Zero, which is a 1987 film uh, that you can watch on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. It's based on Brett Easton Alice's 1985 book of the same name. Uh, the 1987 loose adaptation stars Andrew McCarthy, Jamie Gertz, Robert Downey Jr., and James Spader in a story about sex and drug use. Uh, for those who like faithful film adaptations, Brett Easton Ellis commented that the film bears no resemblance to his novel <laughs> <laughs> and that it was miscast with the exceptions of Downey and James Spader. Interesting. So the author of the book that the film was made on, he said, no, it doesn't look like my film and they should have gotten different people, mm-hmm. but Downey and James Spader were A-OK. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, authors don't always have a say at all in the movie. Absolutely, yeah. And so when they sell the book rights and that's it, it's up to whoever buys them what they want to do with it. So that's all that uh, we have time for this week. Uh, On the next episode, we'll be talking about Snoopy. Snoopy, because it's almost Christmas. Well, uh, that's not quite related, but Snoopy's involved in some of the stuff that I've got ready about the origins of a very popular phrase in... in, uh, in literary works, as well as there is a mention of Good Omens. I do like Good Omens. So look forward to that. Yes. This has been a study in literacy sponsored by Wardini Books. Mega thanks to them. I have been Luke. I'm still going to be Jill for a little bit longer. (laughs) A little bit longer. A little bit longer. Imagine people complexly go forth and be good to each other. Yeah, really good. Give lots of hugs out. Hugs are awesome medicine. Bye. Bye.
This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air.